0: Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. Okay, today's sermon text is from Matthew 21, 1 through 11. The passage will be on the screen for you, or if you like, please turn to Matthew in your Bible. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethphage at the the mountain of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the ground on the road, and, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee.
1: This is the word of the Lord for us today. Thank you, Sam. All right, well, okay, uh, two things before we start. Uh, I forgot that Owen um, Dunmire, yes, Uh, he's an older kid, and and he went and quizzed as well. He did also really, really well, and I'm sorry that I forgot him, Um, but we're proud of all of those kids for doing that. Apparently, he really, really likes it, which is is pretty good. He's a good kid, and actually, we're going to baptize him next week, so uh, that'll be really awesome. Um, another thing I wanna thank you for your prayers for uh Brittany and John. Uh Brittany was has been pregnant with twins. On Monday she went in for a C section and then she's like 32 weeks. Uh so this was they're, they're, these babies are small, but they were born and uh they're doing two- and and oh yeah, yeah. Um they're they're tiny. All right, we can we can go to the next one then. All right. Here we go. So they're, they're there, um, they were kind of miraculous. They, they, brought the, um, they brought the placenta out to show her and, and part of the problem they had had the, during this whole thing is that one of the babies wasn't getting enough of the nutrients and they brought the placenta out and they were like, this is what one baby had and it was like three quarters of the thing and this is what the other one had and it was like uh, just a quarter of that and the umbilical cord for one of them was super, you know, like normal size and the other one was pencil size and they're like, this baby should not be alive. Uh, they didn't expect it to be that way. But uh, as far as we know, everything is, uh, is good and right for them. And Brittany and John are so very appreciative of your prayers. It will be a while before they are with us in person. Um, so continue to pray for them. That would be amazing. And I can't wait to show off two babies at one time Amen. when they get here. Okay. Um, well, we uh, we've jumped really far ahead in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, we've finished up Chapter Seven last week, which was the Sermon on the Mount, and and this week because it's Palm Sunday, we, we've skipped us ahead to that particular story uh, in Goth- Go- uh, Matthew's Gospel. And we've missed a whole bunch of things in there. Uh, he's done a whole lot of miracles. He's done a whole lot more teaching, uh, miraculous things. He's paid his taxes. Um, But there's one story that happens in the chapter right before this that I I think is really, really important for us to understand what happens today on Palm Sunday. And so Jesus and his disciples are making their way towards Jerusalem. And James and John's mother, we don't really know her name, the sons of Zebedee, the mother of the sons of Zebedee, as she is called in in the passage. She comes up to Jesus and now she knows kind of what's happening here. She sees Jesus as this authoritative person, uh, a Messiah, someone who's going to come and and make all things good for Israel. So she comes up to Jesus and she says, Jesus, I want you to do something for me. Now, I don't know about you, but whenever someone says, I want you to do something for me, or what are you doing? You know, they call, I'm like, "I, I immediately think that you want me to help you move. And my back hurts. No, um. Miraculously, I have a, no. Um, so, but she's like, I want you to do something for me. I want, I want my sons, when you come into your kingdom, to sit on my right hand, on your right hand, and on your left hand. Now, um, maybe that imagery is lost on us, but uh, imagine a, a throne room, and you got a king who's up on a throne, and, and he's got his folks on either side of him. And the right hand was the hand of, of power, Right. So if you are someone's right-hand man, you are their most trusted and loyal um, uh, helper, subject, whatever. And so James and John's mother, uh, he, she wants her kids to be important in the kingdom that Jesus is bringing. Uh, <laughs> Jesus is like, um, that's not for mine to, to grant. Do you know what's going to happen? Are you able to drink the cup that I can drink and... He's speaking of his death, and they're like, yeah, but, um, but it, it highlights, for me at least, uh, the fundamental misunderstanding that happens in this passage. Uh, James and John's mother is hoping and counting on the fact that Jesus will be king of Israel, maybe in the same way that David, King David, was king in Israel, uh, that it's a, a worldly kind of power. One one where uh, the sword is really important and, uh, and, and we're going to kick everybody else out, the Romans who are overseeing all of us, and return Israel to its greatest, greatest time of glory. And that's just, that's just not what Jesus has come to do. And that's not what today's story with um, its fantastic visual imagery is about. So we can There's a tension all about this between Jesus as uh, coming as a conquering and powerful king, but yet who comes in humility, and humbleness, and comes not with violence over, but but sacrifice for uh, these. Jesus as powerful king, creator of the universe. Redeemer, restorer—all of those things held in tension with humble and suffering servant. I, I, I think, um, well, I, I think that this is the misunderstanding that Jesus faces his entire ministry. Um, that first song we sang—you know—it's old, but it, it fits so super well because if if we're in the crowd that day. Uh, walking into Jerusalem with Jesus. The eyes of our heart are closed. Or at least a little foggy. Contacts are a little dry. Everything's fuzzy. Uh, they don't, they don't, aren't able to see Jesus for fully who he is and in, the, in his true and significant nature. James and John, even though they've been with him a long time, don't see it. Mom doesn't see it. Uh, anyway, we'll, we'll we'll continue to highlight that as we go forward. Well, Jesus begins his um, he begins his journey towards uh, the city, right? And he's, he's they're about to enter. And uh, I want you to remember back to Advent. Do you remember Advent and we were doing the Psalms of Ascent and we said that these psalms would often be sung or recited or said as a, a group of pilgrims were going up the hill towards Jerusalem to celebrate whatever festival that they were going to celebrate. Uh, Passover, um, they would have used some of these things. And, and it is the season of Passover for Jesus and his friends. And so they are part of this pilgrimage. Now you can imagine that a, a normal pilgrimage, uh, a group of folks would be kind of large as they, you know, maybe this group merged with this one and, and uh, it got kind of large. But Jesus already has a fantastic following. Uh, and he's got tons and tons of people who have followed him. He's tried to get away from him and he just can't, right? Uh, and, and so this whole throng of people are, are coming together and, and so in their minds, they have been singing these songs, maybe out loud too, maybe Jesus is a part of it, singing these songs of hope, uh, of promise for Israel that God is going to do something uh, through Jesus, at the very least, they're expecting to come and worship and sacrifice and, <clears throat> and call, call on God to do good things, uh, saving things for them. So that's the, the scene. Um, during Advent, I had you kind of close your eyes and maybe imagine what that was like. And, and maybe you might, might do that as we talk, although don't imagine too much or you'll miss what I say, which may or may not be a bad thing, I don't know. Uh, so Jesus, he's he's coming in and he's got an idea about how he wants to make this entry, right? Um, and he says he says to his disciples, uh, "You ha- go ahead and go into town, and when you get into town, there's going to be a donkey and a colt, and I want you to go and bring both of those animals to me, because that's what I'm going to ride into town." And uh, and so the disciples go, and and we don't know if Jesus had you know sent someone ahead prior to that to make arrangements. And, uh, but apparently the owner of, this, of these two animals knew that, well, they were going to be used for something that day. Uh, maybe it was just he had heard something from God or, or whatever. E- either way, I think it highlights the, maybe Jesus' power of what's happening. And, and Jesus like, don't worry. Um, if the owner says anything to you, just tell him the Lord needs them. I dare you to try that. Go up here to the, to the where is it? The, the Jeep dealership or whatever and go in and be like, um, yes, the Lord said I need that. That's probably not gonna work, right? Uh, but that's essentially what Jesus does because it's a mode of transportation. Um, now, uh, he comes and brings them out and, and the, the people come out uh, he, he hops on him, and his friends begin to throw uh, palm branches on the, on the ground ahead of them and, and kind of making a path. So I got, I got a couple. We won't go very far. Uh, and they've thrown their cloaks over the back of the, of the donkey. Oh, very good. Thank you. And, uh, and this, too, has some pretty significant imagery, right? Um, even in Advent, back to Advent, because it all comes together, right? It's all one big story. Uh, one of the things, one of the passages uh, that we proclaim and is about a calling for those to make the path straight. To make them st- uh, prepare the way for the Lord. Uh, make his path smooth and straight. Uh, which is what you would have done if you were expecting a king to come to your town. You would have done... You would have known the road they were coming because they would have sent someone saying the king is coming to your town on this particular day on this particular road and you would have made sure that that part of your road was as, as great and as flat and as smooth as you possibly could and then you would have gone out to meet that king and usher him into the city. Ah, so there's a little imagery there too. Uh, the fact that they're they're preparing the way as, as he makes his way up the hill towards Jerusalem they're throwing palm fronds on the ground and their cloaks and they are preparing the way for the king of all that is to come into his kingdom Uh, now um, this is appropriate right because that's who Jesus is king Jesus king of all that is Uh, but like we said we've maybe we've missed or the disciples missed or the the crowd of people missed exactly uh, the nature of the king that was coming. Uh, The donkeys, though, are, it's kind of an important piece. Verse 5, says, Tell the daughter of Zion, look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now, a a couple of things. Um, Colts of donkeys, like, so that it's it's an almost grown donkey, Right? And there would have been two of them, and, and it wouldn't have been strange for mama donkey to come along with baby donkey, because, uh, well, actually, it was the practice. If, if the first time you were going to use a donkey, you would take its mother with them so that w- they wouldn't be so scared, because donkeys are stubborn, and uh, it would just calm them a little bit. And so, Jesus is doing that, but he's also evoking this image, uh, and it's from Zechariah, actually, uh, Zechariah 9, 9, and, and the whole, the the whole passage that like, goes a little bit farther and, and by, by placing this quotation here, like it, it sets the expectation again that Jesus as the king of everything is coming into the city to make things right, to fix what is broken, to make whole what is not whole. Um, they come in and they shout, Hosanna! Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is, Hosanna is the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Now, if you were paying attention this morning uh, at the, the call of worship, we heard those kinds of words in that call of worship. Not an accident. Um, fun thing about the word Hosanna is, is that it really means uh, uh, pray, save us, help us. Bring salvation for us. I I think I always grew up understanding that 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 word was more of like just a praise word, right? Like, hallelujah, hosanna. But in, in the context of what this psalm, that psalm that we read earlier and this passage, it is a psalm that is evoking two things. It is, yes, a call for God to bring about salvation for God's people, but it is at the same time a confident hope that the one to whom they pray will actually bring salvation. Pray, save us, help us. We are broken and hurting and in need of salvation and yet blessed are you, Hosanna, creator of all it is. We know you've come, you have brought salvation before through Moses and the Exodus and and King David and all of those judges and things. we know that what you've done before, you will do again. And we are hopeful. The very core of our being, we know, we know that God is faithful. God is bringing about salvation. So they begin to, they enter into the city. And uh, my friend Bill tells me that, and I didn't know this, uh, so you learn something every, every day. Uh, that there would have been two different people who, who entered in kind of in a procession to Jerusalem that day. So here you have Jesus coming in one side of the city on a donkey. Now, um, back in the Old Testament, it necessarily wasn't, uh, it wasn't a humble thing to ride a donkey if you were of royalty, right? Not everybody had livestock. Um, it was a perfectly fine animal to carry a king. Uh, by the time Jesus makes his way into Uh, Jerusalem. That attitude had changed. Uh, Of course, the Romans uh, would have had these giant war horses, and and so Jesus comes in one side of the city on a donkey, lowly and humble by this point. And on the other side of the city, Bill tells me uh, that Pilate comes in, riding a big horse. historical records, I have to look it up myself because I didn't know this. Uh, That's why we study the Bible all the time because there's constantly more things that we didn't know and so you can't read it once and be like, I've got this uh, because it's just so deep and so rich. If the passage of scripture, if the imagery wasn't enough to kind of uh, display who Jesus is as this humble king riding on this donkey, the contrast between Jesus and Pilate could not be more stark. Pilate comes in as a, a person of authority who's, who's able to enact justice for the Roman Empire and kill some people and govern and tax and all those things. Pilate is a representative of the kingdom, maybe of man. Jesus comes and rides into the city as the king, the kingdom of God. Uh, We go back to this tension, right? Uh, The tension in in salvation, seeing Jesus as uh, powerful and strong and mighty to bring about salvation. Uh, We want him to do that in the way of Pilate. Uh, we want him to, to do that because I think that's, that's where we live. That's, that's everything that we see and everything we hope for. Uh, it's part of our, our, just our narrative as people. Uh, but the crowds misunderstand. And I think James and John's mother helps us understand that. Uh, Jesus is like, you know, those who are going to be great in the kingdom are least and last. And those who are, uh, yeah, those who are first now will be last later. (laughs) He takes the kingdom of Pilate and the war horse and the conquering hero and he flips it upside down. Says no, this is not how the kingdom of God is. This is not how King Jesus acts. And and they misunderstand. Part of the the tragedy of this passage is that when it turns out that that they finally understand what Jesus is about, when their eyes are finally clear, uh, the crowd that chants Hosanna waves the palm branches and puts their coats on the road to prepare the way for the coming king are likely the same crowd that ends up chanting crucify him. Uh, Their eyes are blind to see the kingdom of God as it has come right in front of them. Like I said, this has been Jesus' problem from the beginning. No matter how hard Jesus tries to communicate what his kingdom looks like and, and how it ends and what follows all of that, they just haven't understood. The good thing for us is that we have this story. We have, we have the hindsight of 2,000 plus years of people thinking long and hard and clearly about what the church is, about who Jesus Christ is, and the nature of the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of, of Pilate, the kingdom of man. And yet, and yet, every day, <laughs> every day we still try to make Jesus Pilate instead of letting him be Jesus. Jesus. There's grace here for that, right? Um, it, there's grace when we mess that up and when our eyes are not open and they are not clear. When we have not sung, open the eyes of my heart and meant it. So perhaps, uh, perhaps as, we, as we head towards the cross this week, by the way, Good Friday, seven o'clock, you can't have Easter Sunday without Good Friday. It's just impossible. We can't have Easter Sunday, you can't have Good Friday without Easter Sunday either, or it's just a funeral. So come to both. I, I wonder, as we, as we go this week and as we finish our contemplation on kind of Jesus' journey to the cross, and what the kingdom of God looks like, we might ask um, well in, I, I get stuck on certain themes sometimes and and I have been for a long time about the harm that the church has done to other folks when we have we 've tried them to make them into our image of Jesus instead of allowing God to call them and transform them into the image of the actual Jesus. Our church is, is not bad with that. Um, I think our church has always been a pa- place of grace and love and acceptance throughout its history. throughout the, Since 1986 when we started. Uh, so I, I, I don't know, but I think it, these days, and I, I've watched really, 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 really good people uh, turn from understanding Jesus as the suffering servant and the humble and triumphant king, I've watched them turn and remake Jesus into something different. And it it flips everything on its head again. And instead of asking, as the church, how can we, who can we serve? (laughs) Like Jesus served us by entering into Jerusalem. Jerusalem and giving himself freely for the sake of our salvation. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, Maybe it's a contrast between judgment and service. That, That instead of looking at all the world and all the things that are wrong with it and pronouncing judgment on everything that we do not like, maybe we develop the habit of asking, how can I serve you instead of judging you? What can I do as a representative of the humble kingdom of God? What can we do as the church, as humble, well, as a sign and a foretaste of what the kingdom of God is supposed to be, as we are learning how to love God and to love our neighbor as ourselves? So we're gonna have communion like, like we always do. And uh, boy, if this, if this doesn't show us who Jesus really is, right? Uh, Pilate doesn't do this. Pilate, Pilate didn't do this for you. Herod didn't. All of the presidents of the United States didn't do this for you. All of the leaders of the world, the kingdom of men and women, didn't do this for you. It was the strong and powerful, yet humble and suffering servant who marches into Jerusalem on a donkey who did this for us. And so we receive this every week. to remind us of who Jesus is. Not the Jesus we create in our own image, but the true Jesus, the tree, the, the humble suffering servant. <laughs> we had a membership class yesterday and uh, we talked about communion and I was like, we do it every week because I need it. <laughs> like, I need that reminder. I need that strength to, to try and live into the kingdom of God because that's really really hard and it's countered almost everything we learn so I want you to as you come forward pray and ask God to help you to remember the true nature of the kingdom of God and then ask God to help you to be able to see and discern who it is that you might serve and love rather than judge Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness to us. Um, we confess that we often get your kingdom mixed up with ours. Instead of allowing you to remake us into your image, we remake you into our image. And it's not super flattering. Whereas we, as we turn the weak Turn our attention towards Good Friday and then Easter Sunday. Let us not forget that the nature of the kingdom of God, uh, the nature of what the church should be, the nature of what our families should be, the nature of who we are together is that of a humble and serving people who if needed give of themselves for the sake of, of the world around us that that leads and leans with love rather than with judgment. As we come forward to receive uh, this meal that you will tell us on Friday or Thursday actually that you commanded us to eat. We ask that it would remind us each week and each day of the true nature of your kingdom. And may it strengthen us as we go from this place to be representatives uh, to be a a sign pointing to your kingdom and a little bit of a taste of what the kingdom of God is about here and now we pray this in Jesus name Amen
0: Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service for more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene please visit heartlandnaz.org